Hello, welcome to Late Night Research Society, the podcast where we stay up late and research weird topics so you don't have to. I'm your host, Ashley. And I'm Travis. And we're so thankful that you decided to tune in with us. Today's topic is haunted objects. First, I guess we can start off with, do you know of any haunted objects? Have you heard of any ever? I guess that would depend on, like, would enchanted count? No. Like, I'm not you talking know what about, I mean? like, like, like a, a like a Like a Egyptian tomb, oh. you know, like a, like a curse. No, that's a good one, though. I should have talked about that. Like, is something like that count as a haunted object? Maybe. Or but... does it have to be, like, possessed? Well, we're going to kind of touch on both of those things. So the first haunted object um, that I decided to throw in here tonight, just based off of pop culture, is the Dippick box. Have you ever heard of no. that? Okay, so what is a Dippick? Dip it? A Dippick? <laughs> Dippick, okay. <laughs> um, it's a malicious possessing spirit that's believed to be the dislocated soul of a dead person. So okay. people might become a Dippick, um, a Dippick spirit, after they have passed through to the afterlife because they have maybe become, um, they've been a bad person or they've been a sinner or something like that. So you've done something wrong in your first, in your so life. So you, you have to have been bad right. to get Yeah, that. I guess you don't just get like sentenced to being a dick. so to my understanding. Okay. Um, so these spirits, as they become possessing things, um, <laughs> go into people or objects. And once they're into that people too. Yeah, they can they can possess people. So once they they've possessed an object or a person, they have to be exercised by a priest in order to be removed. Um, and the belief in this concept was really present in like the sixteenth and seventeenth century, although some people still believe in it today. So this would be like what like the exorcist. That would have been that kind of uh, kind of along those same lines, yeah. Okay. Um, so the first known case of the Dippick box was a listing on eBay. Well, what's what's the box? Where's the box come in? So it's sorry, like a, a one's trapped in there. Exactly. Um, and you can like unleash it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So the first known um, Dippick box was a listing on eBay, which was listed by Kevin Manis, who was an antique dealer in Oregon. So in 2001, he went to a real estate sale. Estate sale. <laughs> I'm really going to have to this. So 2001, <laughs> 2001 was the first? Um, there was a 103-year-old woman who was a Holocaust survivor where he purchased what he believed to be a normal antique wine cabinet. Um, and this woman who had passed was named Havale, and she escaped the Holocaust by fleeing to Spain during the war where she purchased the wine cabinet. Um, and then later when she immigrated to the United States, she brought the cabinet with her. So after Kevin purchased the cabinet... He was approached by a family member who told him that they called it the Dybbuk box in their family and that their grandmother had said it was never to be opened. And um, the grandmother had actually wanted the box to be buried with her, but it went against the rules of like an Orthodox Jewish funeral. So they decided not to do that. Um, They just put it into the estate sale. Um, And he was like, well, you know, clearly this has sentimental value to you. So if you want to have it, you can have it. You know, I don't have to take it. And she started crying. She got really upset. And she was like, absolutely not. Like, please take that thing. And um, she got pretty upset. So he was just like, well, she's grieving. You know, she just lost her grandmother. So he kind of just talked it up to that and went on. So when he got home, he opened it, as one does. It's a cabinet, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And he finds a 1928 and a 1925 wheat penny. 
a lock of blonde hair bound by a cord, a lock of dark hair also bound with a cord, a small statue engraved with shalom, a small golden wine goblet, one dried rosebud, and a candle holder with octopus legs. So, quite the assortment. Okay. Switchy. <laughs> so, he, had, he planned when he bought it to give it to his mother as a birthday present. She, apparently, she likes antiques, too. So, um, he goes to have his birthday party with his mom, which wasn't on her exact birthday, but they decided to celebrate it on October 31st. So, kind of spooky Halloween. Okay. Um, and she actually ends up having a stroke. Like, at the party? At the party. So... When he gave his mom the cabinet, he went outside for five minutes to make a phone call. And when he came back in, she had had the stroke. And uh, the next day in the hospital, he went to check on her and she spelled out hate gift for him when he checked on her at the hospital. Um, he laughed it off and he was like, you know what? I'll get you whatever you want. You just have to get better. It's fine. If you don't like it, I don't care. Because he still, you know, doesn't know what's going on. Um, so he's like, well, I'll just give the cabinet to my sister. Um, and she had it for a week and then she gave it back. He gave it to his brother, who had it for three days before he brought it back. His girlfriend finally was like, you know what, I'll take it. She had it for two days before she brought it back. And why were they bringing it back? We'll find out. Okay. (laughs) He then sold it to a couple, but three days later, he goes to open his shop, and it's sitting outside on on the curb with a note that says, this has a bad darkness. So every single person who's ever owned the box reports either smelling cat pee or jasmine flowers, which is like quite the Cute, variety. <laughs> like jasmine flowers, okay, that's that's kind of good. You know, cat pee, maybe not so much. Um, and then they will have the same nightmares that feature like this old hag character. Um, and Kevin started seeing like shadowy figures in his peripheral vision in his home, um, which kind of unnerved him. And he was kind of thinking like, maybe I should destroy this cabinet, but he didn't really... He didn't want to open Pandora's box. Like, he doesn't really, he doesn't know how to destroy a haunted object, per se. You know, he doesn't want to make things worse. So, he was like, maybe I'll just list it on eBay. And somebody who knows about this kind of stuff can take it, get it off my hands. You know, all this bad stuff's happening. Well, anyways, he posted this long description with everything that's been happening with the object. Did he give them this cabinet with all the stuff in it? Or did he take all that stuff out? Did he give it to him with like octopus goblets and hair locks? <laughs> no, I don't think he did. I think he, that's a great question. I don't know that I actually found the answer to that. But I don't think he did keep the stuff with it. I think he kept Cause, you know, the stuff. Like, what'd you do with all that? Seems like that would be what the curse would be bound that's to. That's a good question. And it yeah. would be weird to like give somebody a gift that was full of like witchy, creepy. Here's a beautiful cat. Maybe he with took like that out before he gave it to us. You mom. would think somebody would. Yeah, that's would. probably what happened. So, but I mean, here's so some that's, stranger's hair. <laughs> right. You, you know, it would be kind of like, I'd hate the gift too. <laughs> right. So, you would think he emptied that thing. Yeah, that's so, probably what he did. He seems know, like he's like a legit guy. Like, he's an antiques dealer. You know, he kind of probably sees weird stuff all the time. Um, so anyways, he posted on eBay with like the full description of the experience. He wasn't trying to like bamboozle anybody. Like he was like, this is what's been happening. You know, it's pictures if you want to pay for it. So a student at Truman State University, um, was actually the last person to auction the box off on eBay. Um, it's been on eBay a couple times. So the student claims that the box caused lights to blow out in his house and it causes hair to fall out. 
Um, and he'd been blogging about his experiences with the box. And a follower of his was um, Jason Hafson, who was the director of the Museum of Osteopathic Medicine in Missouri. Um, and he was the person that actually ended up buying it. He'd been the follower, so he kind of understood what he was getting into. Um, and Haxton said that the box ended up giving him health problems like hives. Um, he started coughing up blood. He had head to toe welts all over his body. So he gives up on having it around and he's like, you know, this is too much. Maybe I'll just reseal it, put this divic back inside of it for good. Um, he finds a rabbi. Everything seems like it's going well. They thought they, that they had sealed it. The rabbi took it and, or, uh, I guess, no, I'm sorry. The rabbi left the box with, uh, Jason Haxton after he said he sealed it and Jason said he hid it. Um, but then he ends up giving the box to Zach Bagans of Ghost Adventures, which is a TV show, um, so that he could display it in his haunted museum, which is actually where it is today. And Bagans Museum is in Las Vegas, if anyone wants to go see it. Um, so now we use the term Divic box to refer to any box that supposedly holds a Divic. That term didn't really enter. Clo- How big is this thing? It's pretty small. So it- I pictured I, like a cabinet. Yeah, it, it literally is. Like from what I could tell, it's like. Maybe two wine bottles, maybe three. It's not big. It's like a little wall cabinet. Kind of reminds me of like a medicine cabinet almost. Uh, it's not but like I a mean, full. I think it would be interesting to know what happened to all the stuff. Yeah, that's a great question. That and he honestly, took out of I there. didn't come across that in any of my research. So that is a really good question. Like, because that seems like the haunted shit. <laughs> yeah. That's you would true. think. That is true. No, for real. Yeah. Agree. Um, so if you've heard of the movie The Possession, that's actually based off of this story. No, I avoid box. scary movies. Um, and actually, Modest Yahoo plays in it. It came out in 2012. <laughs> it's even scarier. <laughs> um, Jason Haxton was actually offering the director um, that he would send him the real box. He's like, if you want to use this box for the movie, you know, you can have the real thing. And the director was like, fuck. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but even with that being still it's said, totally like, fine to have it around. You yeah, it's fine. Nothing it. happens. So anyways, but they kind of did end up having like this cursed film set. So at one point, the director was standing under a neon sign, but the sign was like off, like it wasn't even lit. Um, and then all of a sudden it just exploded over him, and, like rained down like all these little glass particles and whatever. But they didn't even um, have the, the. No, they didn't even have the real box. Dip, divot. Dibic. Dibic. <laughs> Um, and then five days after the movie wrapped, all the props caught on fire and they burned down in a storage house in Vancouver and the fire department couldn't even determine the cause of the fire. So it's kind of weird. So what year would this have been? Do you know? 2012. Okay. It might've been 13 after the movie wrapped. 11 or 12 years after it was purchased. Correct. So did anyone ever contact the original family and be like, what, what do y'all know about this? Well, they, I guess the first guy um, that that bought it from the lady, Kevin Manis, he did kind of ask the, the family member who talked to him about it what was going on with the box. And she pretty much was like, my grandmother never told us anything about it other than the fact that it was like, never, ever open it. Um, and it was like something that the knowledge that the, that the grandmother had about it kind of died with her. Like she didn't really tell the family anything about it other than that they should never open it. I would have just destroyed that thing. Right. But like, what if you unleash the demon, you know? So, so 
Um, interestingly enough, Post Malone has actually had an experience with the Dybbuk box, Dybbuk box at Bagan's Museum. Um, in an article posted on The Cut, apparently Post Malone came to visit the museum in June of 2018. This is the same museum where... Yeah, the Las Vegas Museum where okay. it is now. Yeah, so um, Bagan's usually has this box covered in a protective case, and you have to sign a waiver to see it because, you know, you don't want to be responsible if anything happens. you got to cover your ass legally. Um, so because he's post Malone though, Bagans was like, well, you can, you can see it outside of the case. Mm. <laughs> but a few months later after he had seen it, and actually you can still go on TMZ and see the video footage. It's like security camera footage where you can see post Malone and Zach Bagans and, and the thing with like the Dybbuk box and the camera's like up on the wall. So it's like black and white security footage. It doesn't have any sound yeah. with it or anything, but you can, you can see it. Um, but and he's kind of like spooked out. You can see he like it's kind of like something maybe happens, but you don't see anything on camera other than them just kind of be like, okay, that's weird, and they leave. But a couple months later in August, he was taking a private plane to London after the VMAs, and the wheels blew off his plane completely. And luckily, the pilot was like skilled enough to be able to land it without crashing, but still really scary. And then just a few days later, there was a house where he used to live. Um, but wasn't there anymore. I don't know if he sold it or if he just had moved to a different property, but robbers broke into it and they were like demanding to see him. I guess they were going to hold him hostage. I don't know what was going to happen, but it was pretty bad. Luckily he wasn't there for that. Um, and then just a few months later, or maybe one month later, September, his Rolls Royce was uh, T-boned by Ikea in, in West Hollywood. So he was uninjured, thankfully, but your Rolls Royce got destroyed by ikea <laughs> so that hurts on an emotional level probably. It does. i feel like it's a story you just hear about too often <laughs> so anyways that's like three terrible things so it's like you know they say bad things come in through yeah so, yeah but also not like things that that couldn't just normally happen but yeah weird experiences yeah you know, for sure like, like really weird things nothing so. like no lights blowing up and shit or anything you know it's sort of that um what is that movie where Final Destination? Yeah, like yes. you're gonna die. Yeah. You know? It's kind of like that. <laughs> I think about it's like that movie all the time. It's like all kind. Of, it's like terrible shit, but it all could really happen. Yeah, which literally. Makes it sort of freaky. Yeah. But. So, anyways, so maybe Post Malone was cursed by the Dibbit because he viewed it without its case, or maybe Post Malone just had really bad luck that summer of 2018. It's possible. It's possible. So. Um, that's the Dibbit box story. So the next story I have is about the Annabelle doll. Have you ever heard of the Annabelle? doll story no <laughs> you're like absolutely not no um i i actively do try to avoid these sort of <laughs> stories so anyway annabelle is a haunted doll um that was last owned by ed and lorraine warren who are famous paranormal investigators i don't know if you've ever heard their name like in pop culture mm -hmm. they're pretty well known the warrens claimed that annabelle was given to a nursing student in 1970 or 1968 that date varied across all the sources i read so i don't have an exact date but we can say for a certainty that their story is either 1968 or 1970 and um apparently the students started to feel like the dog was the dog the, the dog. dog the dog the doll was acting strangely um, and at first it would be like, they would see it sitting on like a bed or something and they'd come back and it was like different position. And they're like, I don't remember leaving it there, but it wasn't like out of the realm of possibility that maybe somebody just like, you know, there's people, different people living there. So, um, but then it worked its way up to where it would like be in totally different rooms. And they're like, definitely we didn't put it in the kitchen. Like there's absolutely no reason why it would be in there. 
So, and then they started to get little notes appearing with a child's writing on them with little messages like, help us. Um, And the notes were written on parchment paper that the girls didn't even have in their house. Eventually, they found a note one day that looked like it had blood on it. So they're like, all right, you know what? This has gotten... This has gone too far. So they call a psychic who told them that it was possessed by a little girl who had died on the property where they lived a long time ago. So they're like, oh, that's sad, you know. So they try to be nice and nurturing to the doll, but things continue to go south. Um, so one of their friends, Lou, um, was actually physically attacked in the apartment, uh, which they attributed to by the, doll. the doll. Well, so it was like a entity. It wasn't like the doll flew off the bed and like strangled him or anything like that. But he ended up having, um, like, scratch. He, like, had scratches across him that were, like, bleeding. And um, they looked kind of like claw marks. But it was weird because the wounds apparently healed really quickly. Like, it wasn't, like, a traditional wound where it would, like, scab over. And, like, you would have, like, deep scratches for, like, a week or maybe a little longer. It, this, like, went away the next day. So that's kind of cool, I guess. But they were pretty freaked out at that point. So they are like, let's call the Warrens. Um, and the Warrens like, yep. You got a possessed doll. So they're like, we'll take it from you. And they try to get the doll exercised, um, but apparently it didn't work. So they're taking the doll home. The brakes went out on the car. Super scary. I guess nothing happened, though. I don't know if they wrecked the car or whatever. But um, when they got home with the doll, they were like, we got to get a case built for this because it keeps escaping. Like, wherever they put it, it end up somewhere else in the house. They're like, fucking sick of it. They're like, put it in a cage. I'm sick of it. Legend has it. That, you know, in their museum, the doll stayed in the cage or the case, I guess, depending on your verbiage. <laughs> and uh, whoever, like, came in and was like, fuck that doll, like, taunted the doll or whatever, they would have, like, a bad or a fatal accident after they left the museum. So um, Annabelle, along with the Warrens, was actually the inspiration for the Conjuring movie that came out in 2013. I, you might have seen, like, maybe not the movie, but, like, at least. Definitely like, didn't see the movie. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, and then they actually had another Annabelle movie called Annabelle Comes Home that was just released in 2019. Uh, but the Conjuring movie is actually really different than the original story that they told about Annabelle. So it's kind of like loosely based off of it. And so I don't really know what you know about the Warrens, but the Warrens have kind of <laughs> met a little bit of criticism through the years. Um, a lot of people kind of think that they kind of make up. The stuff that they claim that they're kind of full of shit. A lot of people right, think that. Right, yeah, that happens a lot in this um, sort of. Uh, yeah, especially topic. when you get like Hollywood contracts, you know, like yeah. So anyway, Joseph Laycock is a Texas State University professor of religious studies, and he had some pretty interesting things to say about the Warrens and the Annabelle doll. Um, this is his direct quote: "Most skeptics have dismissed the Warrens Museum as." Full of off-the-shelf Halloween junk, dolls and toys, books you could buy at any bookstore. He goes on to say that the Annabelle legend is an interesting case study in the relationship between pop culture and paranormal folklore. And he thinks that the demonic doll trope popularized by films such as Child's Play, which is Chucky, um, Dolly Dearest, and The Conjuring likely emerged from early legends surrounding Robert the Doll, as well as a Twilight Zone um, season five episode titled Living Doll, which was also named Annabelle. Which I'm like, I can't believe that they named this the doll the same thing. Like, that's too much of a coincidence for me. Like, that yeah, immediately discredits know. it. You know, actually, I think I know that Twilight Zone episode is fucked. Up. I've never seen any of the Twilight Zone. I, I, I think <laughs> I know that episode. 
That's cool. Yeah, but so Annabelle is like this little um, raggedy Ann doll. It doesn't look. Scary I feel at all. like I might have. Is it in, is it still in like a clear plastic box or something? I don't know. So that's. I feel a, like I might have seen something about it on Mysteries at the Museum. Probably, or yeah, because like it was those. at the Warren's Museum for a long time. Yes, I feel like I, I might have seen that or heard that story or something. I, well, I didn't know the story, but I feel like I've seen that doll. Um. Yeah, it's pretty like. You even see like dolls in Halloween stores, and you're, like even if you don't know that's Annabelle, I mean, you know I just, that's like a creepy doll. I just think dolls just look creepy anyway. <laughs> yes, anything that that mimics human life, but like Isn't artificially, quite. yeah, yeah, like, it just looks creepy anyway. If someone doesn't have eyebrows, they look. It looks like really crazy. You know, <laughs> we're not trying do- to talk shit about our listeners who have no eyebrows. You're beautiful. But no, you know, you know what context, I'm saying. Right, like, right, right. <laughs> it just, it's just like striking. Right, it's something yeah. you notice right like away. Like Mr. Clean. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> it's just a subtle thing. Yeah. But like so, I think it's really easy for anything with like a face or an inanimate right, object creepy. with a face yeah. to look creepy. Um. So anyway, the story that the Warrens released about Annabelle, they that was five years after the Twilight Zone episode came out. So that's a pretty close like they could have seen a rerun and been like you know what i got a story yeah (laughs) so um laycock suggests that the idea of a demonically possessed doll allows modern demonologists which are what ed and lorraine warren claim their title to be as like demonologists Mm. um to find supernatural evil in the most banal and domestic of places which is interesting i think um shannon sharon hill who is a science writer pointed out that it was interesting that the Warren's Museum opening coincided with the release of the Conjuring movie. So she said that many of the myths and legends surrounding the Warrens have seemingly been of their own doing, and that many people may have difficulty separating the Warrens from their Hollywood portrayal. Um, she criticized the sensational press coverage of the Warren's Occult Museum and its Annabelle doll, saying that, like real-life Ed Warren, real-life Annabelle is actually far less impressive, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I love. I love mm-hmm. a smooth insult like that. Um, and of the supernatural claims made about Annabelle by Ed Warren, Hill said, We have nothing but Ed's word for this, and also the history and the origins of all the objects in the museum. Which is a good point. So I actually did try to research the original owners of the Annabelle doll, like the whole story of like the nursing student and everything like that. You can't find anything on it. Mm. Like, I mean, and you might be able to chalk that up to being like, it was seventies. Like we didn't have internet. Like we I have mean, now. but that's how like someone who has a good story that sticks is neither provable right. or disprovable. Exactly. So, so that <clears> one <throat> for me is a little bit like, that's where a lot of crypto lies, you yeah. know? So sometimes you just need, you get presented with an interesting story, but you know, it's up to you to, to, right. And I mean, I think we can all agree that think. dolls can be creepy, yeah. you know, so it doesn't, yeah. it's not too far out of the imagination yeah. and that's how all good conspiracy theories real, are. Real ass, regular people can be creepy sometimes. Yeah, like, so true. <laughs> well, the Warrens are creepy. If you've ever seen a picture of the Warrens, they're actually really creepy looking. I can say that they're both passed away now. Please uh, don't haunt me. Yeah, I was say, <laughs> maybe in their bodies. <laughs> Okay, so the next one I have is actually probably something that you're going to be a little bit more interested in. Um, this is dating way back. Um, I had to do a little bit of research about the Neolithic period here. Paleo sleuthing. Paleo sleuthing. That's going to be my resume title now. <laughs> um, so this object is called the Woman from Blimb. And it was found in Cyprus. Um, it's made of limestone. 
It was originally thought to be a fertility goddess statue, and it's estimated to be over 3,000 years old, which puts it at the um, Calcolithic period, which is between the Neolithic and the Bronze Age, where copper was the most common metal used. Um, so the people in that area were known as the Cypriots, and they, were, and they named the object after the town where it was found, which is Limba. And I hope that's my correct pronunciation. I'm going to go with that. It's how it's spelled. Limba, Limba, um, There's no actual records of an archaeological dig at that site during this period. And the actual person who found it is unknown. Um, but it, it just was, turned up? Yeah, well, not necessarily that, but we just don't have any record of somebody finding it. Because it, it was 1878. Papers can get lost. You know, it's it's not weird that maybe, like, it could have been, like, a slave that found it. Right, You know, yeah, you're not going to record something like that. And that didn't need to get dug up, necessarily. Right, but um, the statues that are... So they find a lot of statues that are a little bit similar to that, like, in the same shape um, in that area. So archaeologists from the University of Edinburgh have found actually over 100 statues in similar designs, but none are the exact same as that one. Um, and they're all relatively cruciform, which is like a cross-shaped. Uh, and it's thought that the smaller ones were used in like burials, while the larger ones were probably more ceremonial. Um, and you can actually go to a museum in Athens, which is the Museum of Cycladic Arts, and they have an exhibit on Cypriot art where some of these statues can be seen. Lord Elephant was the first owner. Um, he was in Cyprus during the British colonial occupation. It's said that he died within six years of attaining the statue, and during those six years, six members of his family also died. And then it made its way to Europe, where it was acquired by Ivor Minucci. Unfortunately, his family was dead within four years of him gaining possession of the statue. The third owner was Lord Thompson Noel, who, along with everyone else in his family, died a few years after it came into his possession. <laughs> okay, so it's bad, So it's wiping bad. people out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so the last person who supposedly owned the statue was Sir Alan Viverbrook, who died in an even shorter period of time. Um, his wife and daughters also passed away, which left his, the statue for his sons to inherit. But they had seen like what had happened with it, and they're like, hell no. Nah. So they do donated it to the Royal Museum in Edinburgh. Um, and it said that once the museum put the statue on display, the curator died within the next year. So that's really interesting history. But when you delve into it, none of these people, Lord Elephant, Ivor Minucci, Lord Thompson Noel, Sir Viverbrook, nobody has those names in any historical registers. Hmm. So, you know, maybe like a normal like peasant, you would be I like, I was going to okay. say, yeah. If it, but these are like They have words. like titles. Right, you exactly. Know, that, so you would trace, you would think that that would be traced. At least some of them. It certainly would, because to have a title, you would have to have be a landowner and all sorts of things that would carry right. documentation. Yeah, like we have lords and sirs, and so that's a little yeah. strange. They can't be found anywhere. Um, the National Museum of Scotland doesn't have this statue listed in any of their online archives, and um, that's kind of interesting. We know that the statue exists. We have pictures of it. Like it's a thing that it does exist. Like nobody's doubting that. Um, but what it is, I guess what's up for debate is the story that people have right. created around it. It's possible that that's true. Records do get destroyed, you know, whatever, but we don't have anything to back it up. So that's just, yeah. that's just the case. So it's possible that maybe this isn't a true haunted object, but it could be a cursed object. Yeah, yeah. Um, we don't really know what the Cypriots would have used that object for. Um, it could have been something... 
Well, it could be <laughs> a regular, like like you said, a cursed <laughs> object, some regular ass object that that doesn't look any different, but someone has placed some sort of a curse Correct, on it yeah. or whatever. It kind of reminds me of. Um, has it been dated to be? Yes, they have dated it. Like, okay, so they be, know it actually is right old. with the rest of the archaeological stuff that they have with the Cypriot statues. It kind of reminds me of what is that um, movie where it's like it's something Jones. Terrible description. No, he's like a he hunts artifacts. Something Jones. Isn't this Jones? Indiana Jones. Yes. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, doesn't it kind of remind you and of like the Indiana Jones? Anyone who might have been listening just <laughs> know, like, switched off the radio. <laughs> So one thing you're gonna learn about me if you stay tuned into this podcast. A show about artifacts and I haunted have objects and really who, who's the exceptionally Jones? terrible movie descriptions. Um, so please stay tuned for those. I'm sure you'll get a kick out of them, or you'll hate me. One of the two. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's. I, <laughs> I think that's an interesting story because we have this lore that surrounds it. And we can't back up any of it, but it's completely possible that we've dug up like a cursed object. Like, we know that well, sure, hundreds of these statues exist. There's lots of They're archaeological objects that are, uh, you know, just with lore that surrounded culture at that time. But, you know, the whole, with, like, Lord Carnarvon and King Tut's tomb. And yeah, exactly. There's all kinds of weird voodoo thingies exactly. that, that, that went on, you know, and you can't. You can't say one way or the other, which, again, makes them a great story so, and also keeps them alive. You, you know. One thing that I was thinking, too, it's not necessarily, I'm not trying to discredit that these people actually didn't exist just because we don't have their name on historical register. I do think that's very, a very good point to note. But, you know, it was, the first antibiotics didn't come onto the market until 1911. So it's possible that all these families died like they said they did, but it was maybe not because of this object. It was just because of, like, modern medicine hadn't advanced. It's possible. Um, or, you know, there's wars going on. Like, who knows? Like, it could be anything. You know, like, maybe their maid poisoned them. Who knows? Like, it could be anything. So, it's possible that these family died. Um, these families all died due to something different. Um, it's possible it's, they never existed. It's possible it's... they never existed. Or maybe they died because of the cursed object. We can't tell. We don't know. So that's an interesting one. So the next um, object I have is a painting. It's called The Anguished Man. A guy who lives in England named Sean Robinson inherited this parent, this painting parent, from his grandmother. Um, she told him that the artist who painted the painting mixed his own blood with the oil paints. And that after the artist had completed the painting, he killed himself, which led to his spirit possessing the painting, which then led to the painting making some really weird things happen. Um, after they received the painting from his grandmother, Sean's family had originally put it in their cellar, but they had like some flooding due to some heavy rains. I feel like anytime you have a cellar, that's bad news. Yeah. <laughs> so they were like, okay, the cellar's flooded. We got to bring this painting in. Um, so they brought it into the main part of their house, which is pretty much when the shit started. They could hear a man like crying somewhere in their house, but they're like, okay, I know we don't have like somebody didn't break in like we don't we kind of know who's in our family like nobody else is here like it's weird where's this crying coming from um they've seen a full body apparition of a man at the foot of their bed they've heard scratching and banging from the room where they had the painting they have felt like someone's watching them they have had night terrors since owning the painting doors will slam shut without anyone touching them they've actually had a spirit make physical contact with them um his 
son and his father had both fallen downstairs on separate occasions when they said they actually felt like they were pushed. Um, so John Blackburn from Mysteria Paranormal did an investigation of the painting, and he said that it definitely has some really strange activity associated with it. Um, they ended up taking the painting to a notoriously haunted location in Northumberland, UK, which is uh, Chillingham Castle, and they conducted a seance. Um, they did see a full-body apparition of a man, and they felt the temperature in the room drop significantly. They heard some knocking in the room in response to some questions they asked, and they actually had a heavy wooden bench flip over, which seemed like it did it on its own, but it wouldn't have been able to do it on its own. Um, so they were like, definitely something weird's going on. We can't tell if it's the spirits in this haunted castle or if it's with the painting. And when was this? What, what um, time so frame? this is like current. Okay. Um... Because Sean actually has a YouTube channel. So you can go on his YouTube channel. His name is Sean Robinson. Um, the painting is called Anguished Man. You can just do a Google search. It'll come right up. And he actually has like little videos of like the paranormal evidence that he has for the painting. Did he have a YouTube channel prior to this That's painting? That's a good question. Surfacing? I didn't know when he, I didn't look it up when he started it. That's a good question. Um, but he has a really cool accent. Like he sounds like he's a Game of Thrones character. So I was like watching the anybody with an accent sounds That's cool, true. <laughs> especially when you're American. Um, so I was like boring. watching the videos, but I was like listening. I was really focusing on his accent. I was like, oh, it sounds really cool. And I'm like, wait, I'm supposed to be paying attention to this evidence. Um, and people are like, this stuff can be faked. You know, it's like super easy to fake a door slamming in your house. Like you can fake that on camera like really well. But actually, I really don't think that. Sean is faking it. I don't, he doesn't seem like, I don't know. I, I don't know that something's actually happening, but I think that he thinks it's real, you know? So I'm not just discredit that I didn't live in his house. Who knows, you know? Yeah. Who knows? Um, it's possible that it's an elaborate hoax, but he doesn't seem like he's a hoax person. I mean, I don't know. Has the painting been dated? No, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they did that in the Mysteria Paranormal show. I couldn't find that episode. Has the artist been looked into? I don't know that the artist is actually known. I didn't come across anything that said, like, this person painted it and this person definitely committed suicide. I mean, typically they sign a painting. That's true, but if it's an unknown and artist, then They you still sign a painting. Yeah, but how? what if his name is, like, John Smith? The, he wouldn't write John Smith. He'd write some... He'd, he'd have a name. He'd have a persona of some kind. Or it would be, like, J. Smith, just down in the corner somewhere. Everybody signs that shit. Yeah, but your next door neighbor can paint paintings and sign a name to it. You know, don't, you don't have to sign your real name. Well, yeah, I know, but I mean, what's the name on it? Let's go from there. <laughs> That's a great question. I don't know. Let me um actually let me pull up a Google picture because it's of current this painting. Well, I mean, we um, have the technology. The anguished man. Let me show you what it looks like. Maybe we can zoom in and see the anguished man. Well, it's like the iPad listens to us because it's like, who is the artist? That was like the next, literally the next yeah, like, Google suggestion. Yeah, it definitely listens to us. <laughs> it's the most haunted object we have. <laughs> okay, artist unknown. Reddit says the, the artist is unknown, so I believe Reddit. Because if you don't tell the truth on Reddit, they're going to download the shit out of you and vote you out of town. <laughs> okay, I got to sign in here. I don't really want to What do a time we live in. I just want to show you the painting so you can see it. It's kind of creepy looking. So, it's really like red tones. So, you could say, like, oh, there's blood painted into it or something. But, like, 
unless you did a scientific analysis, you would not know that. That's why I wondered if it had yeah. ever been tested, but it, it's fucking terrifying. It thing. is really ugly. Like, for sure, I wouldn't want that hanging in my house. No, I'm trying to picture the grandmother that would have that. <laughs> like a little English grandmother yeah. who like does tea and stuff. And yeah, she has this. And tea. for little Larry, you get my painting. And then you're like, <laughs> Jesus, Grandma. <laughs> yeah, you can get notebooks and phone case. Maybe I'll get the phone case. Maybe we don't get any of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's what it looks like. So it's kind of yeah, creepy. creepy. It is creepy to look at. So you can kind of understand why, even if nothing did happen, like it would kind of carry yeah, more with I mean, it. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I don't. I don't know that I feel like Sean's lying. Like I kind of feel like the Warrens. Maybe they lie. Like I kind of a little bit feel like that. But I don't know about Sean. He seems like a regular dude. He could be a Game of Thrones character. No, go to his channel. Cool. Look it up. You guys decide. Yes. For yourself. Let me know what you think. I would love to know. Um, if you want to see more about this painting, you could look at a TV show called Weird or What. Um, they featured this painting. It's hosted by William Shatner, so I'm sure it's quality. <laughs> I've never seen it. I'm going to look it up. Um, now that he's heard about this, I wanted to keep all of this a surprise, but now that he's heard about it, we're going to watch the show and we'll get back to you guys. Please let us know if you watched it. We'd love to hear what you think. Um, so my next object is the Devil's Rocking Chair. So this is a very interesting story. The story is actually more interesting than the chair, but we'll get to that. Um, so the chair was made famous in the trial of Arnie Cheyenne Johnson, who is known as the Devil Made Me Do It case, which was the inspiration for the Conjuring 3 movie, and it was also featured in an episode of the uh, Discovery Channel A Haunting Show. Um, there's a made-for-TV movie starring Andy Griffith and Kevin Bacon, so obviously quality right off the, right. Right off the bat. Right. Um, it's called The Demon Murder Case that came out in 1983. I hope that's on Prime Video because I'm definitely going to watch that shit. But anyways, with that aside, the case is noteworthy because it was the first time that a defense counsel has actually attempted to use the defense of a person committing a crime because of a demonic possession. So it's, okay, so, and what, what time frame is this? Um, the trial happened, I have a date here, 1980. 1980. Yeah, 1981, I guess, was when the actual trial was, yeah. The actual trial was on November 24th, 1981. So, let's start from square one. Um, the case begins with Debbie Glatzel and her 11-year-old brother David and Debbie's fiance, Arnie Johnson. Debbie and Arnie were working up cleaning a rental property, and David was there to help them. He began to complain that an old man appeared and that he was threatening him, and Debbie and Arnie were like, whatever, you're literally just trying to get all this work right now. It's so irritating. Um, they were like, we're just going to go, fine. But when they left, David Stoll was like, this man is here, and he is not cool. Um, he'd cry during the night. He'd say the man had come. He described the man as a man with big black eyes, a thin face with animal features and jagged teeth, pointed ears, horns, and hooves. So the Galatzels were like, fuck that. They called a priest out. <laughs> they were like, help us relieve David's symptoms because this shit is off the chain. But that didn't work. Um, so over the next couple months, things just got worse. David gained 60 pounds, which I thought was kind of crazy. <laughs> like I could gain 60 pounds in two months if you gave me enough donuts, but whatever, maybe it relates, maybe it doesn't. Um, his family members had to stay with him through the night because he was too scared. Um, during the night, he would suddenly wake up growling. He'd speak in a weird hissing voice. He would quote the Bible and Milton's Paradise Lost, which I had to Google um, but Milton's Paradise Lost is an epic poem about the biblical story of the fall of man with Satan tempting Adam and Eve. It was written in the 17th century. Um, eventually, the apparition began to appear to David in the daytime, too. But it would appear as an old man with a white beard and a flannel shirt. So 
Um, the family felt like they had to figure something out because it was getting out of control. They decided to call Ed and Lorraine Warren to come uh. help them out. <laughs> when the Warrens first met with the family, Lorraine said that she saw a dark cloud around the boy, and she was able to ascertain that they were working with a very negative entity. Um, the Warrens really felt like they were dealing with a dangerous situation here because David talked a lot about stabbing, murdering. <laughs> so, like, they called the police to, like, you know, just let you know, like, this kid is really trying to do a murder. <laughs> um, and that was in October of 1980. Red hand marks used to appear on David's body, and he would complain that something was choking him. Um, the Warrens and the family conducted three lesser exorcisms on David, um, which four priests were in attendance for. And during these, David would levitate, and allegedly gave the names of 43 separate demons that were possessing him. Arnie would also plead with the demons to leave David and enter him instead. During all of this, there's a rocking chair that would on its own levitate and also disappear for periods of time. Um, both Lorraine and David said that they could see the devil sitting in the chair. Anyways, it seemed like the exorcisms were pretty successful and that they had helped David. Um, but shortly after, Arnie was in a really bad car crash where he lost control of the vehicle Luckily, he was unharmed, but he decided that it was time to do something about these damn demons. And apparently now they're interested in him. They love David alone. So on the rental property where all of this began, there's supposedly an old well where the demon lived. The Warrens allegedly told Arnie not to mess with that well, but he did it anyway, and he came face to face with the demon. Arnie says this is the last time that he remembers completely being lucid until after he commits the murder. So things got bad enough where David and Arnie decided to move out of the house where they're living with David and her parents. Um, Debbie worked as a dog groomer for this guy named Alan Bono. Um, and what murder? We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. They were able to rent an apartment from Alan Bono. So she started to think that they brought the demon along with them because Arnie would start to say that he could see the beast and he would growl just like David had. So in February 16th of 1981, Arnie calls out of work and he goes to visit Debbie at the dog salon. Alan Bono apparently likes to party, so he's like, hey, let's go out to lunch. He's drinking, everybody's drinking, everybody's pretty drunk. Later on during the day, Alan and Arnie gets into an altercation, and Arnie stabs Alan while growling like an animal and kills Alan. So Arnie's attorney was Martin Manella, who entered a not guilty plea due to reason of demonic possession. The Warrens were like, definitely, they agree with this. Um, the attorney planned to fly in experts as well to subpoena the priest who had performed the exorcisms, but the judge was like, absolutely not. He rejected that plea. He's like, this is ridiculous. I'm making a joke out of my court. Um, he argued that there'd be no surefire way to prove a demonic possession and that any testimony was not based in science. So the attorney had to settle on using self-defense as the reason for the stabbing. Um, so November 24th, 1981, Arnie Johnson found guilty of first-degree manslaughter and sentenced to 10 to 20 years in prison, um, which he actually only served five of. When he gets out, marries Debbie. So, I guess you could say that has a happy ending. <laughs> I don't know. If he got rid of the demon, I don't know. They don't talk about that. Yeah, that sort of just... <laughs> that just went away in jail, I guess. <laughs> sidetracked and then just fizzled off. Um, so, anyway, a book called The Devil in Connecticut was written by Gerald Brittle, was released in 2006. Um, and David's brother, Carl, sued the author, saying that the, his brother was mentally ill and was exploited by the Warrens. Um, and one of the priests from the Bridgeport Diocese, I think diocese, is that diocese, how you say it? Yeah. Also said that while they did investigate the case, they didn't actually do any exorcisms. 
So I thought that was interesting too, because his own brother is like, you know, he has mental illness and these people thought he was possessed by a demon. And I actually have read a lot about demonic possessions and I have a degree in psychology. So I kind of feel like a lot of the times when we think possessions are happening, it is actually an undiagnosed psychological condition. And I think that, you know, maybe there is a tie over there. I'm not saying that I don't believe in possessions, but I think there is maybe a little bit of connection between the two. So I could see where, like, later on down the road, they're like, actually, David has mental health problems. Like, he's not possessed by yeah, a demon. Yeah, the mind can create For incredible sure. things. And I do think that it's possible that the Warrens were trying to exploit this situation, you know? Sure, that's how they make money. Exactly. Um, so anyways, Zach Bagans, the owner of the Haunted Museum, actually ends up purchasing the chair from Carl for $67,000, which is a great deal. You sell a chair for $67,000? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> the chair it, disappears. What if it just disappears? You just bought it for $67,000, now your chair's gone. Well, you don't... It probably doesn't disappear. That's the whole... <laughs> he knows it doesn't. Um, so, Carl was like, I'm moving. This is a family heirloom. I'm not taking this shit. So it apparently has stains still on it from the holy, holy oil that Ed Warren used during the exorcism. Um, and apparently just hours after Zach purchased the chair, Lorraine Warren passed away. And um, she actually passed away on April 18th, 2019. So that lets you know like how actually current this is. Um, and ac according to Carl, anyone who sits in the chair is cursed. And um, also the chair gives you severe back pain. But to be fair... It's an old rocking it's chair. It's an old rocking chair. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't it's know... It's not a Serta. <laughs> right? <laughs> an old wooden rocking chair. Like, it's going to give you back pain if you sit in it long enough. So, you know, take that how you will. Um, but Zach did put the rocking chair on display in his Haunted Museum. But he had to remove it in 2019 um, after he just got it because so many people in the museum experienced negative paranormal activity. Um, apparently the door to the exhibit allegedly opened on its own. And then shortly after the light that was illuminating the chair, apparently had its power cord like ripped out of the wall. Um, two hours later, a woman collapsed sobbing and then passed out unconscious. She was supposedly standing directly over the room where the chair was displayed. Um, and actually you can watch this on video as well. You can find it online. Um, and it, you do see a woman collapse and, like, tour guides run over to her and stuff like that. As far as the museum, like, if she was over the rocking chair, I don't know. I've never been to the museum. I think it'd be cool to go to. It's, like, 50 bucks to get in, so it's steep. Yeah, it sounds like a fucking party. <laughs> 50 bucks to go pass out upstairs. Um, yeah, so, anyway, man. the tour guides were, like, you know, they felt, like, negative emotion as well. And Zach was, like, pretty much this chair is too risky. We're not displaying it, even though I just paid $67,000 for it. Um, but like I said, you can view this footage. We'd love to hear what you have to think about it. Um, and then there's also a video of the door to the exhibit opening. So just to give you a little idea of how this is set up, when you watch it, it's like, I guess like when you go to some museums, you know, like the wall is glass and like the exhibit is like set back in the wall. So this is kind of like that, but instead of having like big glass wall, it has like a small glass wall and covering that wall is a little like almost trap door kind of thing. So you can open the little trap door and like then it's like the chair and the exhibit or whatever. Um, so that's kind of how it looks and it does show the exhibit door opening. But, you know, like we talked about with the English man, you can fake a door opening pretty easily on camera. Yeah, I mean, if you own a museum of haunted things, it would be in your interest to, to rig a to, few <laughs> things up yeah. and 
but, have a few lights I mean, go haywire, get some credibility to your place. So you don't know. You don't Just know. And also, like, Zach Bagan's museum is a haunted object museum. So who's to say that it's... It could be something from something totally different haunting this new chair. Yeah, you, know, you got a you, whole medley of crazy shit You have a whole medley of crazy shit, exactly. So, you know, but regardless, like, this is the footage that he has. And Post Malone has been to the museum, which is pretty cool. So, mm-hmm. um, Ed and Lorraine Warren actually also have a museum or had a museum. It's in Monroe, Connecticut. Um, they supposedly had several haunted items on display, but... After Lorraine passed, the museum kind of closed and there hasn't really been any plans to open it back up that I could find. One thing that I did do, <laughs> I love Yelp reviews. So I Yelped Ed and Lorraine's Warren, or Ed and Lorraine's Warren Museum. It has a one and a half star rating <laughs> on Yelp, mm. which I think is really funny. Um, and like some of the things are like, this museum is a, a rip off. Like, I don't know, you should go read them. It's If you like bad Yelp reviews, it's, it's a treasure trove. Um, Zach Bagans has, like I said, he has a haunted museum in Las Vegas. It's very still open. It has a four and a half star Yelp rating, which is very good. Incredible. Um, tickets start online at $48. You have to be over 16 to go. If you have, if you're under 16, you have to go with a parent or guardian. Um, I think that's all pretty fair. I would definitely check it out. I think that's an interesting thing. Like, even if you don't believe in haunted stuff, it's probably pretty cool. It's probably a little spooky. Um, you might not be able to see the devil's rocking chair unless they decide to reopen that exhibit, but you can definitely see the Dybbuk box and um, some other pretty cool spooky things. So that's great and all. What if you want to own your own haunted object? I don't. <laughs> so if you go on eBay and you search for the section called psychic and paranormal, you can list and purchase your own haunted objects. I didn't know this. I, I found this when I was doing the research for this. And, um, is so this something people should know about if, yeah, I think so. I, I am for everybody having knowledge in all things. So pro knowledge here, um, knowledge. Yes. Dybbuk <laughs> boxes. No, like, well, it only haunts you. Does it? I don't know. Can you mail it? What if you, we get a haunted and, object and mail it to, a? yeah. Like what if somebody gets one <laughs> and they're like, oh, fuck this. And so they just like. Put it on eBay and don't say anything about it or Craigslist or so, just yeah, put it at your house. I definitely think that is like an ethical concern. Go bury it um, in somebody's <laughs> backyard, ruin their life. Like you'd never. But wait, maybe no. I'm just kidding. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think I have an. We old... have to go find the one in our yard. I think I have an old boss I'd like to mail one yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. Um, so pretty much a lot of these objects are dolls, jewelry. There are actually a lot of Dybbuk boxes on there, supposedly. Um, you can. Actually, one thing I found that's really interesting, you can purchase an actual demon on eBay. It ships directly to you. I felt like that was really convenient. Um, Is it inflatable? What? They, they don't tell you how it works. They just say, like, instructions included with purchase. Um, so not all haunted objects are apparently haunted with bad things. So from what I learned, this is all brand new for me, but from what I saw, like, some of it actually might be beneficial. So... You can get um, bad haunted objects like we talked about above, um, but you can also get good ones. So maybe the good stuff just isn't as newsworthy. I don't know. What but just what in what way brings you good fortune? Yeah. So I've I've made a list of some eBay listings I'd like to tell you about. So haunted personalized spirit entity sent to you fifteen dollars. This is your chance for a personalized entity for you and only you. I can offer a wide array of entities, whether whatever you please. 
The entity will suit you and your lifestyle and stick with you through your entire life. Simply pay and tell me exactly what you want or what you need help with and let me choose the perfect entity for you. I have succubus, incubus, djinn. Is it just djinn? Djinn. is silent. Yeah. <laughs> That's a genie. Yeah, yeah. I knew that. I've seen The Witcher. Um, Kitsune, <laughs> angels, demons, ghosts, the list goes on. And I would love to send one of these lovely, powerful beings to you. Contact me with questions and be sure to watch this item if you're interested. So like $15 is a pretty good deal. It's not a lot of, you know, upfront costs. So, so all that shit Jafar went through and you could have just, <laughs> just 15 eBay'd. bucks on eBay. Um, so here's another what a one. Time to be alone. Um, haunted doll, active paranormal spirit surprise box with spell active ghost. $35. Here we have something very special to offer you. My sisters and I will handpick a spirit doll just for you. We will include a special and unique spelled item that we choose just for you. And I, I guess that spell isn't like magical spell, not like they write it out. Um, you will absolutely adore what we have in store for you. The spirit will be a positive one unless you request otherwise. Like, fuck me up. Send me the bad shit. Yeah. My life is too good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then like disclaimer. I love this eBay forbids the sale of intangible items. This is just for entertainment. Your experience may or may not be as mine is. So there are a lot of I things. I feel like, like these are the same people that sold Uncle Rico at time. <laughs> so they, so what I was also amazed with is like, so here's a, well, here's a couple other listing titles. Haunted spirit bitings sent to you. Scary active ghost, possibly a demon. $1. Um, haunted spirit binding sent to you. Dark magic assistant, one dollar. A dark magic assistant. Okay, so here's the his name. This listing. Meet Dagon, an incredibly <laughs> rare. Stop laughing. <laughs> Meet Dagon, an incredibly rare, invaluable helper spirit of dark and powerful magic. He's very very old. It knows many things about black magic, and we have share his experiences with you. He is an assistant spirit and will be very unhappy and angry unless his full power is used. He wants a home with a practicing witch who will use his wisdom and black magic to its full potential. I hope you can appreciate Dagon's wisdom as much as I have. She's selling Dagon for a dollar. So how how assistant? How much of an assistant can he really be? How much wisdom for did a dollar? He give this person. The soda the soda that I buy at work isn't even a dollar. So I don't know. Maybe she is trying to just. Well, he's very old. He is old. So well, yeah. So um, maybe it, it it could go at any time. Oh, maybe he. What if they? Oh, he's like on. Yeah. Who knows? It, could the does the power fizzle with age? Fizzles with age. This could say you know. Yeah. Dollar. I hard have, to I say. do have a lot of questions. Um, it's not that I doubt that haunted objects can be real. I just think these eBay listings are pretty funny. If anybody has ever bought something haunted off eBay, I would love to hear your experience. I think there's more. A, a story has more credibility. When someone is less likely to talk too much about it, they're genuinely scared shitless or wanting to get rid of a thing, trying to make money, telling people you can propagate and yeah, sell so these things. Now, somebody's going to fucking write in on this thing and be, like, and fuck be you. furious. They're going to be like, <laughs> one <"Look>, star. <laughs> I really do make these day and, and if you do, that is so cool. Like, I literally, I, I think that's fucking sick. Like, I wish I could make haunted shit like that too i just don't have that in my personal experience i don't know that i you know if it's me i only want the good ones i don't know if you can just limit it to that but it's really cool if you do that I'm well, definitely not trying to downplay your experiences um i actually even did think about purchasing some of this stuff myself so here's some other like no. cool haunted things like 
Haunted Vampire Transformation Ring, Black Magic, $34.99. This listing is for a tangible ring. The ring in the picture and any needed instructions and further information will be included. Metaphysical Vampire Transformation Ring. Must be 18 plus. Shipped UPS. UPS How do they arrive class. at thirty four ninety nine? Right for to transform into a vampire. Like with tax. <laughs> First class mail. Yeah, this uh, is a this is a <laughs> vampire genuine authentic but vampire so ring. Of course, with so state tax. This but. seller actually has five star reviews. Like it, they have. I don't know. I know you can buy reviews, but. Maybe this seller is actually doing something because they have a shitload of good reviews. So here's some other items yeah, that they have. Yeah, and they, they can't have. have that many friends. Um, so. Haunted Ring of Weight Loss and Beauty Transformation Witch Owned, $29.99. Fuck yeah. Send me that shit. I'm about to buy that right now. Weight Loss and Beauty? Fuck me up, fam. Put it on my hand. But, like, how do you know they're being truthful? What if it's a demon? What if it's a dibbuck attached to it? I just don't know that I can trust what you. What if it's a Here's 25 another one. cent gumball machine? Haunted Illuminati Ring of Luck. Dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. Illuminati owned. $34.99. Ha- $34.99. It's going great <laughs> right for Enchanted Haunted Ring. Black Magic Ring of Millionaires. I also thought that one was pretty good. That one got a little bit more expensive. It was owned by the Illuminati. It was one of the most powerful items. It was 50 bucks. I thought that was kind of getting out of my budget maybe, but it is a Ring of Millionaires, so I guess you'll make your money back on it eventually. Sure. Um, there was also a Haunted Ring of Hierarchy Male Vampire Companion. Successes, Rich is Powerful, $49.99. Um, but like I said, five-star review seller, something has to be going well. Um, I thought it was really interesting that there's already been so many Illuminati and Templar rings. Um, they've already been sold because I was reading the reviews and it's like multiple Illuminati rings, multiple Templar rings. I'm like, wow, they've really got a lot. Cause I watched that show Oak Island and they couldn't even find one Templar mm-hmm, ring. None. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they found the treasure. It's cause trip. they were all sold on eBay oh, for true. $34.99. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, and also another question I have, which maybe somebody can also enlighten me on, how do people bind these spirits that they find? Like, how does Dagon get bound to a ring? Like, is he cool with that? Did he consent to that? Like, I only want a ring that's a consented spirit. I don't want, it's like unethical. You You're know what I mean? You're into a realm that can't be entered. Like, no one can prove any of this stuff. So, so you, you could... If you're a, a powerful spirit and someone's like, I'm putting you on this $29 ring, putting you on eBay, and you're like, a powerful spirit, would you not be like, fuck you, no, you're not. You know, like, how do they get them to consent? I don't know. So I have questions about that. Um, but maybe they're cool with it. Maybe they're like, all right, I'm about to go fuck this person's life up. Let's do it. I'm a ageless demon spirit. I don't know. So maybe they're going to regret that, and they're going to hold it against the new owner. I just feel like there's a lot of ifs. So anyways... Please let me know. I'd love to hear if you guys have any haunted objects or haunted ring stories. Um, Sorry, we derailed <laughs> on the uh, haunted objects for But no, sale. I, yeah, if you want to buy one, you can get one. That's all I'm saying. So um, please send us an email at latenightresearchsociety at gmail.com. Hit us up on Instagram at latenightresearchsociety. Um, I will read everything you send me. I might even read it on the show. Um, if you like what you heard, please rate and review us. Please only get reviews. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, we love you guys so much. If you've made it this far, you're a fucking rock star. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.